0: Welcome to Talk.
1: Hello, Hi. <laughs> Uh, We're two feminist folks and we just kind of chat about most recent pop culture news. I'm here with... Hi, I'm Sarah Merck. I'm the online editor of Bitch Media, which means that this week I have been hard at work compiling a list of the top five X-Files episodes where Dana Scully stands up to mansplaining from Fox Mulder. Isn't it every episode? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's most episodes. So I want to find like the five most mansplaining episodes where Mulder is just off his rocker and Scully is like, here's some science, Mulder. Uh, there is no chupacabra. How about that? Wait,
0: there's no chupacabra. <laughs> I don't know how you're going to narrow it down. It sounds like it's going to be hard work. Yeah. And I am Amy Lamb, the associate editor. And uh, this week I was reading the reviews. For our podcast on iTunes. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's a, like a, it's like a, like one of those mass kisses things you do. But there were some really nice reviews, and I guess I just want to like encourage people if you listen to our podcast and you kind of aren't too annoyed by us Uh, and you want to rate and review, it really helps us out in terms of like getting more like eyeballs on our podcast or something through the iTunes store. Uh, But some folks have said really nice things and it's, it's really encouraging because people say don't read the comments, but we do. Yeah. It's part of our job.
1: And actually a bunch of people have been um, subscribing to bitch magazine this week and putting in their order comments that they listen to the podcasts. (sighs) And that like makes my day. It makes me feel wonderful when I'm sitting there My eyeball is about to fall out of my head because I'm staring at the internet for too long. And then a comment comes in that's like, Hey, I like the show, so I'm subscribing to Bitch. I like almost basically burst into tears yeah so, really
0: <laughs> the so, only time i've almost burst into tears reading comment was there There was one comment in our itunes thing that specifically called me out and i was like oh my god this feels horrible but it's all good i mean you gotta take the good with the bad and uh i take all criticism very constructively and i
1: try to use it <laughs> and be better
0: <laughs> i think that's the so this, is your, thing. this is your
1: comment is <laughs> leave us either a nice comment or a negative comment either way i will i will read it and listen to it yeah, and think about see, it I'm being and rational. take it to heart <laughs> look at you being so rational about feelings <laughs> so what is your pop
0: culture moment oh of- yeah
1: so my favorite piece of pop culture from the news this week is two of my favorite musicians interviewed each other in interview magazine corin tucker from sleater kinney interviewed lauren mayberry of the band churches if you don't know uh, Churches uh, is a really great band based in Glasgow, and they just released their new album this past week. It's kind of like an old dark electropop band. Um, and the lead singer, Lauren Mayberry, has been really outspoken about um, being a feminist and standing up to like really dumb cyberbullying from misogynistic people commenting on the band's YouTube videos. And she and Corinne Tucker had this really great conversation that I put on the Bitch Media site. It's also, the whole thing is an interview magazine. My favorite line is Lauren Mayberry saying, it's inevitable that people are going to find out about my natural, God-given feminist rage. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's totally me. Let your rage out. Let <laughs> your God-given feminist rage out. Awesome.
0: Uh, my uh, pop culture, like, aha moment this week well, is not as, like, inspiring. Um, but last time we did Fact Talk, I talked about how I like just discovered Bob's burgers. Oh (laughs) yeah. You just, you just
1: realized that Tina Belcher is the best. Yeah.
0: And then, so I'm, I'm still watching it. I'm like piecing it out. So I don't watch it all at once. Um, and then I had this like realization that, um, why is it that, well, no, I know why. Uh, White supremacy is so insane that even in, like, invented animated worlds, it's still really Mm white-centered. You know, like, all the popular uh, cartoon shows that feature uh, families... In particular, like the Simpsons Family Guy, like back in the day, like the Flintstones, the Jetsons or like Bob's burger, they're all centered around white families and these are like made up worlds. Mm-hmm. You can like draw anything. Like anybody can be like any skin tone with like any kind of hair and like do it like do any kind of crazy shit and but yet they're they're always somehow still white people or like just even other cartoons where um, there, there are a lot of like white people looking characters. That just my my I like like make my own brain implode like realizing that's this. a really good point <laughs> i don't know if there
1: are there any people of color on bob's burger yes
0: uh bob's burger uh sometimes um the kids have a classmate who's voiced by aziz anzari oh yeah mm-hmm. he's a little brown kid uh <laughs> but like in the other cartoons there's just like they kind of come in and out like on the simpsons there's two black characters right like mm-hmm. um carl hom- uh-huh. one of homer's yeah. uh, co-worker and best friends and um uh the doctor oh yeah. yeah yes i can't remember his name right now but it's like what's what's going on in these worlds you know what this
1: reminds me of is we ran this article a few years ago about the tv show doug the nickelodeon yes. kids tv show Doug, yes. and it was about how the animators of that just tv show and the designers behind it decided to make everybody n- sort of like non-human skin tones because they didn't want it to be a white show right um and so they made everybody, like, blue and yellow yes. and pink and But what green color is Doug? But Doug, Doug yeah. Doug is super But Doug is so white. white. Doug is, like, maybe the only character who's, like, got, yes. like, a normal human skin tone.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and everybody else is, like, bright yellow.
0: Yeah. <laughs> 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 Amy's POC
1: cartoon watch. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the first piece of terrible news this week. Ha ha! Planned Parenthood is uh, being debated in Congress this Why? week. Why? Why? Yeah, this week, the, so the big news is that um, Planned Parenthood President Cecil Richards was called before the House of Representatives to defend Planned Parenthood's funding. This is all based on Planned Parenthood uh, being investigated by a congressional committee for a extremely misleading viral video that was pasted together. And I'm like... So Congress is making legislation based on viral videos now. Can we all please like, get some funding for keyboards for cats or something more constructive based on viral videos and not just defunding Planned Parenthood? Uh, I wanted to play this clip of Cecil Richards um, talking to the committee, uh, giving a pretty concise defense of Planned Parenthood. Um, here she is. It's just it's a shame to think that there are people in this country who are so committed to ending women's access to both birth control and safe and legal abortion that they'll really resort to any means to try to entrap people, uh, twist the truth uh, in order to to, to reach their ends. But again, uh, we believe, and why I'm here voluntarily today, is that the facts are on our side. We're proud of the healthcare that we deliver every single year, despite the animosity by some. Uh, And we're grateful that the American people stands with Planned Parenthood, as I think the Wall Street Journal poll showed last night. So in that clip, Cecil Richards, the president of Planned Parenthood, makes reference to this poll that was in the Washington Post this week um, that shows that a majority of Americans, 54%, uh, support federal funding for Planned Parenthood. Um, and I, I was really struck by that number because uh, it's so in contrast to congressional approval ratings. The, the most recent congressional approval rating is 15%. <laughs> and so so right now, Planned Parenthood is more popular than Congress. And why do we get so mad at Congress? Because they do stuff like this. They have, they have like really wasteful hearings and threaten to shut down the government over funding for basic reproductive rights, basic reproductive health care. You know, like defunding Planned Parenthood means defunding cancer screenings, means defunding um, contraception access, means defunding birth control. Um, and so it's and defunding STD treatment and screenings. And so I, you just look at this and I feel like millions of Americans are doing exactly what you and i are doing which is saying why why it's it just doesn't make sense but
0: um in this really fucked up way it does make sense because like some of our policies and legislation is just straight up misogynistic it's like it's so misogynistic that they're willing to spend so much time and energy into investigating a video that has like zero validity and to call up cecil richards who who has i'm sure has way better things to do than to like go to congress and tell them you all are mistaken like the the services that we provide are needed especially by low income communities um it's like disproportionately affects low-income women and people who don't have access to health care so this is just like uh, it's like the Congress is, is is like a really irrational child right now. And they're throwing a huge tantrum, like using our tax
1: do- dollars. That's like my, my conservative <laughs> argument. Stop like wasting our tax dollars doing this. Well, you know what's interesting is that here in Oregon, uh, some right-to-life groups wanted to have a hearing much like this in the Oregon legislature. So on a state level, have the state look into Planned Parenthood. So a Democratic representative here named Tina Kotek um, Nixed that plan and wouldn't schedule the hearing in the state house, and there was some pushback from Republicans who were saying, "Oh, like, why not just put it up to debate? Why not, you know, get Planned Parenthood up there to defend themselves and explain this? Like, if you have nothing to hide, why not debate it?" And I think to to the Democrats' credit, they didn't budge in the state, and I think that's great because this is not a hearing that's about the facts. It's not actually about the budget. It's a political circus. It's a way to give Uh, anti-reproductive rights extremists a platform in the in the nation's capital and here in Oregon in the state capitol building. This is a way for them to get their opinions like into the mainstream discourse and we shouldn't give extremists like that a platform. We shouldn't feel like Planned Parenthood's funding should be up for debate because somebody made a video about it. Uh, A misleading fake video no less <laughs> yes okay i want to play one more clip this is a really good summation uh this is from from a representative brenda lawrence who represents uh, detroit she's from michigan and her summation here basically like speaks to my heart i think she sums up what a lot of us are feeling this week um and here, here she is uh talking about planned parenthood on the floor of congress
2: Sometimes I feel insulting questions. We cannot use federal dollars for abortion. This is not a lump sum budget item that we give to Planned Parenthood. It is reimbursement. How many times does that have to be repeated for this to become an uh, embrace
1: fact? I think my favorite thing about that clip is just her tone of total like, what are you doing? Yes. Like you don't understand basic women's health care and yet you control the purse strings for basic women's health care. And she, is,
0: she has had enough. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, how, how could she not have had enough? She's sitting there watching this panel of men, you know, asking these very basic questions that they have no knowledge about because they're not experiencing these services that are so vital to women's health. And and they're asking these uh, like intrusive and obtuse questions that don't need to be asked, and and like the funding for this um, organization is is in jeopardy because of their
1: inability to like listen and read facts, mm-hmm. pretty much. Yeah, and that really speaks to me about how this is not actually looking at the facts. This is not like an investigation or an expose into some uh, untransparent process that really the American public needs to know. This is like standard political circus. But what's on the line here is really important reproductive health care for millions of Americans. So that's why we get so mad about it. All right, moving on, we're going to talk about
0: white Feminism! Wee wee <laughs> I don't know why. That's my, what is that? Is that my, a siren? My white feminism, is that your white alarm. feminism siren. <laughs> so, uh, to lead this off, I wanted to talk about a, a more recent example and then we'll get into a, an example from earlier this month. But so, um, last weekend was the Emmys and Viola Davis won a lead actor in a drama award and she is the first black women to win that award in the
1: history of the Emmys, which is insane. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, like, we know, we know that movies are not diverse. We know that Hollywood, like, has systemic discrimination that keeps women and people of color out of, out of roles and out of positions behind the camera. Right. But still just to hear like, oh my God, she's the first woman of color to win that award That's that's shocking to me. Right. Yes,
0: it's insane. And so when she got up on stage, she gave an amazing speech, where she quoted Harriet Tubman, and that was like such a magical moment. Like, I I would have never thought that I would see somebody, go up there and quote Tubman, and it was such a great moment. And um, and then I had to go on Twitter. (laughs) Uh, There were a lot of like folks like writing about this event, and uh, there is an actor. Her name is Nancy Lee Grant and she is a soap opera actor on General Hospital. And so she tweeted some not-so-great things. The least of which she said that, like, um, oh, yeah, Viola Davis' speech was okay, but I wish Shonda Rhimes had written it. (laughs) And then she also made comments about how, you know, um, she gave props for Viola Davis for winning the award, but, you know, she says that, like, winning the award won't won't fix, like, racial inequality and et cetera. But the thing that really, I think, got folks upset was that she said that Brilliant, quote, brilliant as she is, referring to Viola Davis, um, she has never been discriminated against.
1: Oh, jeez. Yes,
0: she tweeted this to the public of yeah. America. <laughs> and so Nancy Lee Grant is a white woman. And, you know, she goes on to tweet and like kept digging herself into a bigger hole. But to say that, you know, um, like I want equality for all women. This isn't a race issue. And so this is like such a blatant example of, of white feminism. And when we say white feminism, we're talking about a type of feminism that doesn't look at intersectionality. Mm-hmm. It's uh, looking at like a very specific um, like Western model of feminism that is mostly based on uh white women's perspective so not all white women who are feminists practice quote white feminism but most people who practice white feminism are white women so it's just like this inability to see beyond um that like oppression is a, is a, just a gendered issue and to think about it in other ways how how people can have, can have a multiplicity of identities by which they can be oppressed like um by their race or their sexual orientation or their gender identity or, or their um, their ability to get around in life. So, you know, when this actor said this about Viola Davis, people just lost their shit. Like, of course, because, like, she's not looking at this uh, in, in a big historical view, number one, that, like, Viola Davis is the first black woman to win this award. And then to say that, like, and then to, to make this, to, to say this remark that, like, Viola Davis has never like experience discrimination like excuse me <laughs> i i don't need to like live in Milo davis's shoes to know that like uh to know that as I- i'm a non-black person of color but to think to think that a black person has never discriminated um discrimination had never experienced discrimination in their life uh in hollywood is the most insane thing for her to have said that so that's just like a glaring example of it which like brings us into um, a little bit more of a nuanced example of something that happened earlier this month uh, or in or earlier in September. Uh, there was a book festival in Decatur. Um, in, Decatur, in, in, Illinois? Deca- no, not Decatur. Really? It's called the Decatur Book what? Festival. That's what it's called. It's in Atlanta, Georgia. Wait, wait, yeah. wait. <laughs> Why is the Decatur Book Festival anyway? It, no, it's called Decatur Book Festival. It's, it's in Atlanta, Georgia. Okay. So what happened was uh, there are two really well-known feminists, um, Erica Jong, who wrote Fear of Flying, which was released in the early 70s. And it was a seminal book. Um for being known for the least of which this phrase called zip fucking, I think. I don't know. I think that's what it's called or like zip, zip free fucking. I forget the phrase, but it's it like introduced a notion of like casual sex for a time where like that wasn't. Um, yeah, it's
1: like a second wave feminist yes. classic. I think it sold 20 million copies. Yes, it's
0: a big deal book. Right? Basically,
1: if you took women's studies in college, you probably read Fear of Flying. Yes. By or, Erica or an excerpt
0: of it, And uh, <laughs> and so Erica John was speaking with Roxane Gay, who wrote Bad Feminist. Who I love. Yes, she's great. So they they were having a conversation where they were talking about I'm assuming feministy things. And um and I guess it went okay enough their talk. And then at the very end there was a QA and a session. And it was uh during this Q&A session where um, things got awkwardy white feminists. We <laughs> <laughs> <My> sirens back. <laughs> um somebody in the audience had added, asked a question about um how can today's feminism be more inclusive and roxane gay gave you know a really good response about how feminism needs to take into account like all parts of a person's identity and she pointed to herself as an example and talked about like all these layers of her own identity and then when erica jong like responded her thing was that she said that um anyone who thinks that feminist is a white thing is quote historically ignorant so Mm -hmm. and then she went on to say like just some I, these are the random bits that I found because people wrote about this event and what happened. It was written about in uh, The Guardian in Refinery29, and then th- people who were there tweeted about it. So this isn't just from, like, one person's perspective that this happened, but this happened and people. It was, like, you know, recorded down <laughs> into, like, journalists, uh, journalistic avenues.
1: Yeah, this piece that I love about it is by uh, the artist M- Mari Naomi, who we actually had on the podcast a few weeks ago. She she attended, and she did, like, a graphic illustrated write-up of the Q&A and what happened, um, she quotes Erica Jong as saying uh, that somebody asked the question about how might feminism better include women of color and Erica Jong saying feminism has always included women of color and then the audience being like what, I thought I thought I yes. <laughs> what are you talking about? I would have been like
0: Excuse me? <laughs> like the record got scratched.
1: And then that things got really that things got really kind of awkward and heated, but that uh, that was for the greater good. That like there was this moment of discomfort having to raise this this touchy issue and there's a discussion about it but hopefully that that elevates everyone's understanding um and brings to light this important issue so instead of like just biting your tongue and not asking so, someone like Erica Jong you know who's like this famous ce- celebrated person who might be afraid to confront it was important for somebody to ask how might feminism better include women of color? And right. it's important to discuss her answer and not just be like, oh, good job. Yes,
0: exactly. And Mary no- Naomi's account of it is so awesome because of her illustrations of her friend, her friend who is the one who asked the question and uh, and like the feelings that were brought up about it. But it, it's just like, so it's just crazy to think that somebody who is so seminal to the feminist movement, like Erica Jong, who wrote like a really important piece of work that influenced so many feminists, even feminists of like our generation, um, and for her to say something as flippant as like feminism has always cared about people of color it's blatantly not true and how can we like move forward and to be more inclusive if we don't acknowledge that like in the history of feminism that, that hasn't been true we need to think about this because when you say when you say that like we've always been inclusive then that's very dismissive of people's experience when they have not been included historically and presently like there are like many people who practice white feminism now and it's not inclusive and we need to talk about it and the, so, this happened, and then a, a week or so after that, um, Erica Jong was in Portland, and I just by happenstance caught this on the radio. Uh, she did a local radio show promoting uh, book signing, she was doing. And on this radio show, um, the host asked her about this event, and this was her reply.
2: When the question and answer period came, most of the people said, We adore you, we honor you, you are both icons. There was one grumbler in the back row who raised her hand and said, I don't even know if it was a man or a woman because I could not see the audience. That one grumbler gave an interview to Refinery29. It in no way reflected what happened. They said we were tense. We were not tense. We liked each other. We had read all of each other's books. And journalists in this day and age, are terrified that if they don't have eyeballs, they'll be fired. So they make up fake controversy because the poor dears are afraid that they'll be fired. So there was one grouchy person in the room. We sold out all our books. We signed books for white women, black women, white men, black men, and everybody was cheering us. So you read something that absolutely didn't happen. It was made up.
1: So that, well, we that's a clip from the here, Oregon but, Public but Broadcasting show, it. Think Out Loud, with Alison Frost talking to writer Erica Jong.
0: Yes. And as you can hear in the clip, like Erica Jong is totally indignant, and she refuses to acknowledge that this happened, which is uh, which doesn't make sense because there are varying accounts of it. It isn't just from one person's perspective. And it's just very disheartening to hear that like she she herself could have learned a lesson like this this happened and it brought up a wider conversation which was i guess the only good thing that can happen after something like stupid like this happens but she herself hasn't acknowledged this that this happened and that she put people off at of what she said um and and like when that happens like what can we do that's that's, that's something i sat with I'm like if is she hearing herself? You know, this is like one of those episodes where it's like like you exhibited this behavior, you said these things. Um people called you out on it and we we're not calling you out on it so that we can like demonize you. We're calling people out because we want like to figure out how we can better the situation and fix it and talk about this more. But from this clip it just didn't seem like she's up for the discussion.
1: Yeah, and this is not just Erica Jong. I mean, this is something you see a lot. I mean, especially with like second wave feminist folks who I think for a lot of part feel like they devoted their lives to working on these issues and then sometimes feel upset that people are critical of them, especially from from a racial standpoint. And so this isn't just like one thing that Erica Jong did. This is like a pattern that exists in the world of um, prominent white feminists. um it's not just oblivious, like older feminists. It's like there's oblivious feminists at our age who oh yeah, does I don't think it's thing. just an age thing right. at all. No, yes. no, I think it's, um, I don't, I don't know what it is. I think it's a I think it's a white cluelessness thing. I think it's yes. a, it's a super like it's, it's... I think it's a I think it's I mean, as a white person, I feel like there's one of the positions of white privilege is that there's a lot of stuff you don't have to have on your radar, and so you don't if you don't seek it out or listen to people. If you will seek it out or listen to people, uh, there will be a lot that's in your blinder zone. And I think that's something that we see here with Erica Jong. It's something that's is issues that uh, aren't on her radar. I don't know how they could not be as somebody who has been, you know, writing about feminist issues since the early 1970s. Why she hasn't been part of this conversation or listening to this conversation. But it's clear that she hasn't been. Right, it's kind of like
0: um, from our last episode where we were talking about clueless white guys, uh, yeah. and
1: uh, <laughs> today's theme,
0: <laughs> clueless white women, is that like there seems to be this um, this barrier to listening, mm-hmm. and I think that's that's a big problem here because it's obvious that Erica Jong didn't hear the first time, and being questioned about it the second time, she's she's showing us that she didn't hear. She's still not hearing it, right? Yeah. And and it's one of those things where people just need to like stop and listen like like i said as a non-black person of color i will never be able to understand like the experience of being a black folk in america black person in america so th- i would never even question a black person's experience if they were to tell me like what they're going through and how they face like multiple oppressions that i can't even fathom right and the thing is that like i have to shut the fuck up and listen and if if we don't listen to one another when we're talking about like the things that we face like how can we help one another out Mm -hmm. and i think that's like when we hear somebody like erica jong and and like you said she's not the only person who does this um kind of just shut down it it just creates this huge barrier to like fixing things
1: yeah i would say that's that's the number one rule of being an ally right is to listen to other people whenever you can and don't feel like you always have to speak up with the answer right do you think erica jong listens to backtalk no. I hope she writes a review. <laughs> <laughs> One star review. Go <laughs> read my book. Uh,
0: if it's if it's a uh, constructive criticism, I'll take
1: it. <laughs> All right, now we are Wait, wait, at- wait. Oh, okay, sorry. Uh, can we talk about the word seminal? You keep saying the word seminal and I hate the word seminal. <laughs> Um <laughs> seminal is one of those words since I work as an editor uh Sorry. for the feminist publication I'm always striking the word seminal out of people's okay, stories. Okay, what's
0: wrong with the word? The word
1: seminal uh means uh number 1 definition it's an adjective seminal number 1 pertaining to containing or consisting of semen. <laughs> uh number 2 is relating to seed. Number 3 having possibilities of future development. Number four, highly original and influencing the ideas of future events. And so I don't like to use the word seminal to describe like women or feminist projects because it's like... This project is as important as semen. Sarah Merck. <laughs> it's as influential as influential as semen. Sarah Merck just edited me right now. <laughs> she, she just wrote a review for the podcast. You can go around saying things are seminal as much as you want, but I do want you to know that you're saying they're as important as semen, which isn't always a good comparison.
0: <laughs> okay, I don't want to go there. Okay.
1: Note taken. Great.
0: See? You see how that worked? That was good. That you was see good. how that worked? I stopped. I listened. I took it in. And now I will never describe feministy things as seminal in the presence of Sarah.
1: <laughs> Thank you for taking my constructive criticism.
0: Now we're at the part of the show where we talk about one thing we watch, one thing we listen to, and one thing we're reading. And I can kick this section off by talking about um, the season premiere of How to Get Away with Murder. You have to say murder, like murder. You have to say it like that. Of, uh, of all the of Shonda Rhimes shows like that is the one that I'm super into and I love watching it um, and this new season of it looks really promising and super fun and of course the stars the amazing Viola Davis who's just like her performances every, every episode is just gut-wrenching and she's just so good and like understated and um, her role is like equals amounts of vulnerable and like strength and Um, and she just like walks around like she knows what the fuck she's doing even when she doesn't like I want to be Annalise Keating (laughs) she's so great I mean except for all the murder stuff I
1: don't want any of the murder stuff in my life (laughs) But, uh, so how to get away with murder without the murder <laughs> is what you're looking for.
0: Yes, in my in my normal everyday life. Great. She also wears like amazing clothes too. Um, so this season looks like there's going to be more murder, more mystery, and amazingly more queerness. Um, if you haven't watched the first episode of the new season yet, I don't want to spoil anything for you. But there is like kind of a moment where you're like this is amazing you know uh and then there's also like great treatment of um uh there's a character his name is connor his boyfriend oliver has been tested for hiv and so then now they're there's discussion of that and how that works in a relationship that's super interesting um and this is one show where i watch and it's just like there are so many actors of color this is so amazing i don't even care that this is about weirdo murders and random shit that's like totally implausible like just show me all these amazing actors of color i mean even wes who's like the little puppy dog guy who's um annalise annalise keating's um kind of like the the, the student that she's taken in. He's actually, uh, I don't don't want to be
1: like blasphemous, but he's not that great of an actor on the show.
0: (laughs) But I'm still super glad he's on the show.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, we have an article about um, how to get with murder's treatment of its HIV positive character um, on our website right now, written by S.E. Smith, one of my favorite writers. Um, Yeah, check that out if you're interested. It's about how to get with murder's bringing this HIV positive character to primetime, which is really, really rare and good.
0: Yes, watch it. Start it from the first episode, so you don't like miss out on the key t- details for the rest of the season. Because like the way it works is the mystery gets woven in, um, and
1: maybe I'll talk about it
0: periodically
1: during <laughs> backtalk. That's great. Okay, uh, I want to talk about one thing I read this week, um, which is I put Ta-Nehisi Coates's new book, *Between the World and Me*, on my library hold list. Uh, when it When I first heard about the book, and I was number fifty in line at the library, so everybody wants to read this book. I finally got to read a copy of it and um have you ever like read a book so late into the night that then you feel like hungover the next day? You have like a book hangover? No, never. <laughs> Maybe this is just me, but I will stay up until like two in the morning reading a book and then the next day I'll be like, "Why did I do that? I made such terrible life choices." Oh, when, when you explain
0: like that, yes, I have yeah, done that. Yes, yeah, and yes. then so
1: I had uh last week I had like a horrible book hangover from Between the World and Me. Um but it was such a good book. I couldn't put it down. It was so great. And um Here's a quote from it that I wrote down. I just kept writing down quotes from it as I was reading along, and here's one of my favorites. Whatever we might make of this country's criminal justice policy, it cannot be said that it was imposed by a repressive minority. The abuses that have followed these policies, the sprawling carceral state, the random detention of black people, the torture of suspects, are the product of democratic will. The book, Between the World and Me, is full of really powerful, like, lines that go straight to your heart like that so go pick it up and this is actually the
0: second time that Tanahasi Coates has appeared on our what we're reading oh yeah yes because I remember I talked about a piece that he had written mm-hmm. for the Atlantic another thing is just this week it was announced that Tanahasi Coates is one of the MacArthur geniuses that's awesome so that's he really great. just got a ton of money for and rec- to recognize his um his like really insightful and amazing writing so that's so great I'm so glad him. you got that
1: yeah um, okay, we're closing out the show with one thing we heard this week. One of my favorite things about like working for Bitch is that I get all of this new music into my inbox and I get to hear all these bands that I've never heard of before and aren't very famous at all. And so, <laughs> and so one of the big things I do for my job is we really try and highlight uh, female front of bands and women working in the music industry. So here's a track from an artist uh, who's 19 years old. She's a lesbian, singer-songwriter, living in Memphis. Uh, her her first solo album comes out next month in October. Um, her name is Julian Baker. This track is called Something, and I think she has just such a really beautiful sound. I could see myself, like, wandering around at night listening to this in my headphones and feeling sad about the world. So here's Julian Baker playing something to play you out. Keep an eye out for her album um, uh, next month, and hopefully she will take over the world. Thanks for
2: listening. Bye sleeping by now i'm still up walking around walls on my skull been backwards in like a labyrinth
1: Thanks for listening to Backtalk. This podcast is hosted by Sarah Merck and Amy Lamb from Bitch Media. The show is produced by Alex Ward. Bitch Media is a reader and listener supported feminist nonprofit. If you want to support the show and our work, please head over to bitchmedia.org and donate.